Okay, in some, what's that? Oh, uh, that, okay. All right, so um, Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. That, no, we're on 105, I'm sorry. <laughs> verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. I have sworn, and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy statutes. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes all way, even unto the end. And so we're on uh, page... Page 4, at the top of page 4, we're continuing actually in verse 3, or page 3. Uh, that last uh, paragraph on the bottom is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was uh, given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And, of course, this is uh, from the verse in 119, which says, uh, verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. And so we've been continuing. Again, it's a repeating theme of Psalm 119, that affliction is part of the Christian walk. And so we're just looking at that. And then, so I have this thought underneath that uh, top verse there. The universal path of growth and strength for the Christian, we must learn our weakness to gain his strength. In John 3, verse 30, this is John the Baptist who says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Again, this is the natural, or this is the proper growth for a Christian. He must, in, he must increase, I must decrease. And uh, so let me repeat this note again. The universal path of growth slash strength for the Christian, we must learn our weakness to gain his strength. Any Christian doing things in his own strength is not going on God's strength. It's just, it's oil and water. You cannot go in your own strength and, uh, and have God's strength. It has to be God's strength uh, completely. And most of the time, for most of us, I think, maybe all the time, we have to God teach us, excuse me, teach us our weakness. And so number two here at the top of page four, we will face similar hardships as anyone else in the world with the additional challenges of not being like the world and, and going against the flow. Again, the natural progression for a Christian is that God change us from the people that we naturally are with our old sinful nature and change us into the image of Christ. And, if, and as that is the case, as we make as we continually grow in the image of Christ, we will become less and less like the world and therefore not fit in. More and more, <laughs> we will be the odd man out all in all most of the time. And, and increasingly, just as the more we become like Christ, the more unwelcome we will be to the point where if you if you become just like the image of Jesus, then you will be an enemy. There will be keep people coming out of the woodworks to oppose us. The more like Christ we will become, the more we will face that. So I have a couple of notes underneath that uh, before we get to number two there. In the world, we have conflict. <laughs> that, again, is the natural place for the Christian to not fit in 
and it is inevitable. We will have conflict. The, the, the people that are following Satan and his path, uh, they're going to come into conflict with those of us trying to follow the Lord Jesus. And so uh, I have this note underneath that. If anybody wants me to uh, repeat these, please let me know. If we, com- uh, if we are comfortable in the world and going with the flow, it is enmity with God. If you'd like to turn with me to James chapter 4, verse 4. James chapter, chapter 4, verse 4. Give you guys a second. James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever there will, therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And folks, that's plain language. <laughs> that's God's uh, word right here speaking very plainly to all of us. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And I don't think it's, uh, it's out of the question to suggest there are Christians that are friendly with the world. In other words, partaking of the things the world is partaking of. The thing is, is there are, there are many, I just thought of this verse today, and it's uh, Proverbs 33, 11. Uh, there are many devices in the heart of man, the counsel of the Lord, that will stand. But the fact is, is there are many devices in us. There are many things that are pulled on successfully by the world and by Satan and the flesh. They are, by nature, they are geared the wrong way, and they are pulling in the wrong direction. And so the thing is, is except you determine, I want to follow the Lord Jesus, and except you engage with the Lord and get his help, we must, that, that's the only way in which we find the successful life of walking with God is by choosing to reject the old ways of the old man. Because the old man, you wake up and he's there. <laughs> and he is, by default, going the wrong way. And you can't, you can't uh, have a truce with the old man. You can't, you know, live in harmony with the old man. Listen, for us to be walking with Christ, the old man has to be crucified day by day, every single day. The Lord Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. And this this constant choice to deny ourselves is both unnatural to the old man and it is integral to the new man. (laughs) You know, and again, it takes that conscious decision, I want to live for Christ and not for myself. And so that choice of wanting to live for him and, and the, the choice to deny ourselves, it doesn't come easily. By, it doesn't, you don't wake up and just feel like serving God or feel like denying the old man. It has to be a choice that we make. And so, um, again, let me repeat that. If we, if we are comfortable in the world and going with the flow, it is enmity with God. That's James 4.4. 4. So number two, it's here in your notes. Being a target for Satan, uh, well, this is continuing the thought of we will face similar hardships as anyone else in the world with the additional challenges of, and number two, being a target for Satan and the spiritual adversity that comes with being Christ's. And so, again, it, it is something that is, like it says in Philippians chapter 1, it is not given to us just to believe, but to suffer for his namesake. And as his people, with his name upon us, that's who we are. As Christians, we claim the name of Christ. We claim him, the person of Christ. He is not just our spiritual leader. He's everything to us. And for us to live that message out, it makes us, again, the enemy of the world. And so being a target for Satan and the spiritual adversity that comes with being Christ. 
And so now we're at the handout. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we're a week late, but we're at the handout. <laughs> and I really wanted to get here today because I didn't. I, I don't really don't want to split this up between Wednesdays because, I don't know, that's hard. <laughs> so this is the handout, discouragement in the way. I mean, uh, and, of course, the, the verse that we're talking about, verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. And so this idea of, of the way being discouraging, the, the things that we face on a day-by-day basis. And, you know, the thing is, is, you don't have to have the government and, you know, Satanists or whatever hunting you down every day. You wake up and there's reasons to be discouraged. You know, you don't have to look hard for them. You can just plain be tired. You can have <laughs> any sort of challenges. You know, health, uh, family, neighbors, uh, just the fact that you uh, you have to live in the world. These are these are things alone that would. But, but listen, it's not just that. As Christians, we're going to have other things, and I think that you see this in the Old Testament. And so we're at Numbers 21. And please turn there with me. Numbers 21. And although it's it's not explicitly said, I think it is. I think it's not hard to uh, to make the case that Israel had an enemy in Satan that was dogging their steps as they were in Egypt and they you know at one point they were crying unto God for deliverance God delivered them he brought them out with a strong hand and he delivered them out and by a strong hand he brought them through uh, the Red Sea and he uh, destroyed the, uh, the Egyptian knights uh, Egyptians that followed through and so all those things that they saw and yet day by day you see a continual struggle with them to listen to God's voice and follow and so this is another example of that. Numbers chapter 21, verse 1. And when the king of the king Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into mine hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Hormah. So the first thing that you see is they had adversity here, yet God gave them victory, a very wonderful victory here. But you see verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? This is not the only time they say this. They say things similar to this many times. So, um, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And what it's talking about is the miraculous bread that fell from heaven. God rained bread literally upon them. And listen, if they got tired of the taste, it's still a day-by-day miracle that they were experiencing every single day. And yet, what does the human reaction? And again, I, I think Satan is provoking them. I, you don't, again, you don't see that actively recorded in the scripture, but I think Satan is there. And he's like, man, this, this, this is just the same bread we have every day. It's, it's funny that we can come to this kind of conclusion, Brother Patrick. It kind of goes back to what you were saying. Basically, they were getting what they needed, not what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Basically, back well, the flesh. well, and that's something I almost said this earlier. The thing is, is there's a verse that says is the eyes of man are never satisfied. Right. And the grass is always greener. You know, these things are perpetually true with us. And, you know, and, and so that's why it's very important for the Christian to decide in his heart. I'm just going to follow God, because if you start giving place, well, I'm just I'm just one just this little sin over here. That, it, that's all I want is just this little sin over here. And there's no such thing. <laughs> Just this little sin. There's no such thing. 
And so our place is to say, no, I'll just stick with what God says is right and wrong. And, the, and again, as we know, the thing is, is God can give peace and satisfaction and blessings that you cannot get any other way. But the eyes of man are not satisfied ever. You can give in to this, but when you get there, it's going to be something else. And when you get there, this is going to be something else. And so the only thing for a child of God to do is let his peace and blessings and satisfaction come from walking with God. It's the only way for the Christian to live. And so again, as you, as you see in verse 5, and, they, and the people spake against God and against Moses. And by the way, it's not that there weren't challenges on walking on the road. The Bible says in the, they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to pass the land of Eden, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Now, they're not in the land of promise yet. The Bible says the land of promise has, you know, fruits that are <laughs> huge, and there's, there's a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, and yet they're not there yet. So there are clearly challenges in the way. However, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so verse 5, And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in, this, in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth, loatheth this light bread. And that's the manna. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. And, and you know, I'm always thinking Hollywood cannot touch the truth of what's in God's word. Yeah, I, I, I love the Ten Commandments, Moses and, you know, <laughs> Charlton Heston and all that. But it doesn't hold a candle to the very truth that is in the word of God. The people, listen, and, and listen, at this point, this is one of the few times in which they're complaining and God doesn't just respond with, I'm going to smite them and I'm going to start all over. So at this point, he just sends, he sends in fiery serpents and much people of Israel died. I can't, I can't even imagine fiery serpents. Serpents to me are bad enough all by themselves. <laughs> but fiery serpents, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> So anyway, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Verse 7. Now listen, folks, this is what the correction of God is good for, is calibration. Listen, I don't know. There's not a Christian on planet Earth that doesn't need calibration. And I've read it several times the past few days about despise not the chastening of the Lord. None of us, none of us enjoy chastening. However, just like it says, I think it's Hebrews, it says, it brings forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And the Bible's very clear, there is not a son that God has that is not chastened by the Lord. And so the thing is, is here are God's people. They're, and we're going to get to what's going on. But, the, you know, God sends this correction to them. Verse 7, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away this, this, the, the serpents from us. And I like this passage also because God didn't send a prophet and say, hey, listen, you sinned, and that's why there's fiery serpents here. <laughs> how many of us, I'm not asking for a show of hands, how many of us God has sent correction into your life and you knew exactly why it was there? You want, I'm not asking for you. I'm going to raise my hand. <laughs> I have seen it many times in my life. Listen, there's plenty of times in which God sends us a correction and we know it's there for good reason. And it's something, again, to be thankful for. Listen, if you see correction in your life and you know it's from God, listen, even that is something to thank God for. That we have a heavenly father that corrects us. 
The Bible says, if you, if you be without chastisement, you're bastards and not sons. So listen, to have God correct you and know that God is correcting you, that even that is a source of praise. And so, um, okay, so they, uh, they, we have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against thee, pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto, unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. It's interesting because they asked, what did they ask for? You can tell me. They asked for the, what, serpents to, to be taken away. So God didn't exactly give them exactly what they asked. They said, we have sinned, we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And so this is quoted by the Lord Jesus in John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus refers to this very thing. And he said, even as, uh, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And you know, there's a beautiful thought behind this, a precious thought. That what's necessary for you to be healed when you knew you had this, 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 uh, this, uh, this I don't know, condemnation, this, this, uh, this, this message of death. When you had it in your body, there was an answer. And God said, this is what you do. And when you went and went to the serpent and you looked upon it, you lived. Brother Robbie. I think it's interesting how the world wants to dismiss God mm-hmm. and the fact that there is a God. But if you look at the ambulance, mm-hmm. if you look at the symbol, yeah. what's the symbol people have for that? Well, you know, it's interesting. We had an ambulance right out here at church. This was probably, what, 10 years ago. And I, I saw that symbol on the side of it and I said, hey, can you tell the kids what that symbol is all about? Well, it's actually Greek mythology about this. Thing. Whoa, that's a serpent on a pole, man. That's in the Bible. <laughs> they have this other explanation for it now. But I agree, Robbie. That's exactly what that thing is about. <laughs> and so um, they said, uh, so this, this is what the Lord Jesus referred to in John chapter 3. And so it says in verse 10, uh, and the children of Israel set forward and pitched in Oboth. And so as we look at this handout here, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. There is challenges in the way. The Lord Jesus never said there, he never said there wouldn't be. I guess that's a double negative, isn't it? Never said there wouldn't be. God never said there wouldn't be challenges. Wouldn't say there was reasons that you could find to be discouraged. So number one here, we are often discouraged because the way is hard. I I, I can't speak for other people, but I know that for me that there have been so many times in my life, you know, I, I think especially before I joined the Navy or even in, in the Navy, you know, I never found my groove there. I never found the things that I was good at. And so everything that I did, you know, I, I found challenging and I found to be hard and difficult. Um, and the thing is, is <laughs> regardless of how you find the situation that you're in, there's a way for a child of God to walk, and that's what we need to pay attention to. And then next, next sentence there, we need to pay better attention. And it references John 16, verse 33, and I've got that verse here. These, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, These things have I spoken to you, unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And if you, I, I reference that verse a lot. But he says, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so the Lord never said that it wouldn't be hard. He never said that it wouldn't be trying. And he would never said there wouldn't be feelings of discouragement or whatever it is. But what he said is be of good cheer. Listen, folks, that is a direct reference to how we feel when it's discouraging in the way. Because I, I, I talked about myself when I was younger, you know, and I, I would be asked to do this or asked to do this. And, and it was hard and I wasn't good at it. And you just feel so discouraged. You just want to quit and give in. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's felt like that in my life. But listen, it doesn't matter how we feel. The Lord Jesus said, be of good cheer. And there's a reason for us to be of good cheer. Because he has overcome. Everything that you and I can face, there is not a situation that we can face that we cannot overcome in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't mean that automatically things snap in place and everything's hunky-dory. It means that we can have grace for the way. And then, listen, when let, let me just go ahead. I'm <laughs> getting ahead of myself. I love this, this, uh, this story, and I'm thankful for it. So uh, Israel, oh, also we have this thought too. We overcome and have peace in Jesus Christ. We're not going to turn there. But in Revelation 2 and 3, we see the Lord Jesus with a personal message for each of the seven churches of Asia. And each one of those messages ends with, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh. In Christ Jesus, we overcome. And there are certain promises that are made to every one of us. And we can read Please, I encourage you, please read Revelation 2 and 3 and, and find all those promises to God's people that you see in Revelation 2 and 3. To him that overcometh. And uh, each one of those is a very, very great blessing. And so um, uh, letter A here in the notes I'm sorry, I didn't finish the rest of the number one. We are often discouraged because the way is hard. We need to pay better attention and be faithful. The only alternative is disobedience and the multiplication of our hardship. That's exactly what this passage teaches. And We're going to get to more about this. I just love this passage so much because of how much it teaches. Let me just read this again. The only alt- We need to pay better attention to what Christ said there in John 16:33 and be faithful. The only alternative is disobedience and the multiplication of our hardship. Now, that's specifically true as a Christian. The only alternative (laughs) to be of good cheer, the only alternative to being faithful is disobedience and the multiplication of our hardship. So letter A is these are the things that Israel experienced. And and you see these, and there's an annotation out to the right of where you see that. But victory, they had the victory over the Canaanites, King Arad of of the Canaanites. And then they had discouragement in the way, verse 4. And the soul of the people is much discouraged because of the way. And then in verse 5, despair, disgruntlement, disobedience. And that's, again, verse (laughs) 5. They spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? What are they forgetting in 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 that horrible perspective? They're forgetting everything. I mean, how could they forget what what God had done for them? Not just in, I mean, if he had just brought them out of Egypt, that would have been enough. Amen? If he had just just shoved the, the, uh, the, the, the Egyptians aside, and if he brought his people out, but he didn't just do that. He judged Egypt and their gods. And they didn't just get out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea by way of miracle, walls of water on both sides. 
And then the Egyptian army, still intact, comes chasing after them. And God puts up the pillars in front of and behind Israel. Israel goes through and God lifts the pillar up. Why would he do that? I mean, nobody there understood why at the time. Then Egypt's army comes barreling after them. Israel gets safe the other side. And God crashes those walls, hundreds of tons of water crashing down. The Bible says that even they cried out, Let us depart from the face of Israel, for God fighteth for them. Even they could see that right before they died. And they saw the Egyptians' bodies and wash up on the shore. And Israel, for a very brief time, sang a wonderful praise to God. But then the way (laughs) and they saw victory like this, but they also saw discouragement. So many times God would say, I don't remember exactly where he said it. We said these 10 times have they tempted me over and over and over. And unless we should point our fingers just at them. Listen, we've we've also murmured against God. I doubt that there's anybody that, that has not done that. We've failed to appreciate everything that God has done for us repeatedly since our salvation. Listen, you and I, we don't deserve the first thing that he did for us, much less anything after. And so they were they were in dis- they despaired and they were disgruntled and they were disobedient. And so what they faced next was judgment. God sent in those fiery serpents among them, verse 6. And then after that, they had grief and many deaths. In verse, uh, verse 6, again, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. And so then in uh, n- number 6 there, in verses 7 through 9, repentance, mercy, and restoration. Verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. That's repentance. Pray unto the, unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And again, it's like we, we've mentioned many times for weeks now, months probably, that we ask God for things, and, and there's nothing wrong with asking God for help and for deliverance. But God decides how to give it. Now, if God had just taken those serpents away, listen, we wouldn't have John chapter 3. <laughs> we wouldn't have the Lord Jesus say, you know, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then we wouldn't have this beautiful thought of look and live. Salvation is not more complicated than looking and living. (laughs) You look by faith at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and him dying in my place instead of me. Listen, if the world were just, if God wanted to be just fair to me, I would be crucified for my own sins and then go into eternity forever separated from God in the lake of fire. That's what every one of us have coming to us, except God should intervene. And that's exactly what he did when he sent his son, Jesus, to be our savior. And Jesus willingly went to the cross. And there at the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, Father, you know, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. When he cried that, it's because the cross was not insignificant to him, even though he was God. He was still in flesh that felt those things. And then he had a holy person that had the weight of our wretched sins placed upon him. The filthiness. I I can't stand looking at the news. You know, the headlines of just the horrible things that man is guilty of every day. The worst things that man has ever done. Christ wore on Calvary. The weight of all of our sins were put on the only holy man 
that ever walked the planet. And he suffered in our place instead of us. And praise God, he rose again in victory three days later. But this passage, God allowed, he, he heard their prayer that God take away the serpents and God sent a, a, a way of resolving the problem. And that's what Christ did for us. He resolved the problem of sin for me and for every one of us. We could not fix this problem. They could not fix the problem of the fiery serpents. And when they were bit, the only result on their own was they would die. And listen, that's, that's exactly what it is for our humankind. Without Christ, there is no hope. But with Christ, we have hope. And so um, then number, number seven here is move, this is what Israel experienced was moving forward. After all of that, after the fiery serpents and after, after the, 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 the repentance and after everything else, they finally move forward in chapter, verse 10. And so this letter B here, <laughs> this is what they could have experienced. Victory moving forward. What does that take to have a different, entirely different experience than what Israel had? What it takes is faith to respond to the problems, to respond to the way. If you don't have faith, then you respond the way Israel responded. When you don't have faith, you start concentrating on the problem and you start seeing nothing but reasons for despair. You start getting discouraged and you start pointing fingers and you start, Lord, helping us. Lord, help us. Sometimes we're angry at God about stuff. And again, if, if, if I am guilty so often of having a pigeonholed high, uh, eyesight, uh, a keyhole eyesight. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like my flesh and Satan and, and the way he tempts. I don't know. But this ability to make you forget everything else. Where either all you can see is the trouble and the trial and the pain and the difficulties and the way. Or maybe temptation where you can't think of anything else and Satan wants to zero you in on the temptation. But listen, God's <laughs> what God is always telling us is to remember. Remember what he has done. Remember that Christ gives a victory. Remember that God gives... I thank God for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Brother... Um, um, Rochester, thank you. He mentioned them uh, and how they responded to, you know, and, and to me, I, I, what we face today is nothing like that. But it's still, it's a similar response that we need to have. You know, God is able to deliver us out of your hand. God is able to, to make it so that we don't have to do this. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your gods. Listen, folks, we need that kind of spiritual grit instead of getting this woe-is-me attitude or this angry attitude, this disgruntlement. We need to have this attitude of God is able to deliver, but whatever he does, I'm not going to do this, this foul thing that you're, you're asking me to do. Brother Patrick? Well, I don't remember the verse. Something about like a man who looks in the mirror and when he walks away forgets. Forgets what manner of man he was, yeah. Yeah, that goes back to you basically them forgetting about all the miracles that happened. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember the whole verse, so I don't I don't know. It's uh, James. James? Yeah. All right. Chapter two. So like I think uh, Jason's already got it for us. <laughs> James chapter two. Uh, I knew it was at the beginning of some book, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> 
seeing it right away. There's a verse in Corinthians that's like it too. <laughs> I, I'm not finding it yet. One twenty. Okay, yeah, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his deed. Amen. Thank you, brother. And uh, thank you, everybody helped. <laughs> And so, anyway, yeah, we don't, we don't need to be forgetting. We need to be remembering everything that God is teaching us. And so, number two, let's uh, hurry up before I'm not able to finish this. <laughs> Similar results will play out in our lives if we respond, excuse me, if we respond in the same way to the hardships of the way. Letter A, how else could they have responded to, these, to the difficulties in the way? This is a question. Faith. Faith, Faith is, a, is a major part. Any other uh, thoughts? Rejoicing. Amen. Thanking the Lord for the hardships. Amen. <laughs> okay, I have just trust, faith, and cheer. And, and that's basically in part because of John 16.33, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so when we fail to have faith, what we're going to do is incur God's anger or frustration with us or correction. And so when we fail to look at things with faith, we're, we're going to have more and more problems. So uh, how else they could have uh, responded to the difficulties in the way, trust and faith and cheer. And so let it be, we're meant to apply the same observations to our own lives to, to avoid unnecessary griefs and life's lessons. In 1 Corinthians 10, 9 through 11, it's here in your notes. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the des- destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in, unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so that is a very clear <laughs> uh, teaching us that these things are written in the Bible for our admonition and learning. It wasn't just for the people of that time. It wasn't just a record of the history of Israel. It's meant to teach us. And then I had this last note, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's a, a major way in which we can respond. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 15, this is Paul speaking. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And so that verse starts with, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And you know, you're not going to be given to despair. And you're not going to be given given yourself over to discouragement. And you're not going to be given over into blaming God, blaming people, and blaming constantly this 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 again this despair, this disgruntlement, and disobedience. If the peace of God is ruling in your heart, and it, listen, these things are written to guide us in our day to day life. Again, the, there's discouragement in the way if you let it. 
We don't have to be discouraged. And I, I love the psalmist who says, you know, uh, there's three psalms that end with, Oh, my soul, why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. A man counseling his own soul says, Oh, soul. <laughs> I love that thought. Hey, soul, why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God. I shall, yet him. I, will, I shall yet praise him for the health of my countenance. He is, listen, God is all the answer that we need. And so, so often it is true in our lives that our place is to often disbelieve. <laughs> disbelieve the things that you can see and disbelieve the things people tell you and disbelieve all the things in front of you and instead believe what God says. And listen, God has a perfect track record. He does not drop the ball when people trust in him, ever. Really. That health of the countenance is really cool because, you know, sometimes you look at a person, they're not really physically attractive, but they have a very nice countenance. Mm-hmm. And that makes them look more physically yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's, well, <laughs> you know, when you when you fall in love with somebody, you're not just falling in love with how they look then. You know, I look mighty different than <laughs> when she and I fell in love. <laughs> uh, but I think we can both, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for her. I, I love her more today than when we met, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys got that, but it was really a commentary on who I was back then. Uh, but what? I had more hair. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You know, and, and hey, the, the very best the very best thought of that traveling to its furthest end is God has proved himself. Listen, if you have received Christ as your Savior, God has proved himself. He is worthy of being trusted. And yet, how many times does the record of humanity, you know, God rescues us, saves us, does so many th- wonderful things for it, but you get to the next trial. Where is the faith? But people so often say, what am I going to do? And they start lurching to one extreme to another, all bad ideas. So often the answer is to wait upon the Lord. Cry unto him, wait upon him. And then if you have to make a decision right, right now, then you ask God for the wisdom. You make the best decision you can. But most of the time there are there is time to wait upon the Lord. (laughs) But we're not good at waiting. I mean, I, I say that we I'm not good at waiting. And it's often the last thing that I want to do. I want to do something right now. I want to resolve whatever the problem is right now. And this, you know, <laughs> this this vaccine mandate, it's just <laughs> it's been such a, a heartache for me. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> well, we finished our handout, so praise the Lord. Any any thoughts or questions before we close? Are they happy? Amen. This too will pass. Yeah. It's like when they went into the promised land or before that, when they started conquering these places, the person said they fear these people because God has been watching them. They brought them through this and they brought them through that. Yeah. They, those people watched that. Just like people are watching us now. They they know that God is going to handle this. And that's what scares them. Yeah. Because they say we can't we can't fight God. Mm-hmm. And we throw all these little roadblocks in there. Stuff. Yeah. But it's like, okay, now jump over this, jump over that. Okay, okay, you did really good. Okay, now jump over this one. <laughs> and so they put all this stuff out there, but this too will pass. Amen. Take care of that. 
Yeah, and you know, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is God is faithful. And that's, that's what's so good about knowing the Word of God is you see it's not just – you don't just have your own experience to go by. You have this record of God being faithful through thousands of years. <laughs> and you, you know, God gives us so much for us to learn and grow by. So let's go ahead and close our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and who you are. We thank you for how faithful you are. We pray that you please help us to be strong in faith and give glory to you. And we pray that you help us to be quick to wait upon you and quick to return to you and – and um, we pray that you please help us to be patient and to wait and to trust and let you lead us and guide us. We pray for your, for your blessing and all these needs have been mentioned tonight. Lord, some with health needs and some with uh, the, 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 the things going on in our world. Please give us grace and give us help. And thank you, Lord, for all the blessings we've heard of the praises of uh, the answered prayers. Thank you for Timmy's car being good. And we thank you that it was a simple fix. And we just pray for your, your help for us all, Lord, to, to wait upon you and trust in you. And thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.